you do that. Okay, it's up. Yay! I'm so excited. It's laughing into the void. Yay! We did it. And I'd like to say that that was like a smooth start, but like an hour ago, I wanted to test it and accidentally went live then too. <laughs> but uh, so it's actually great because there's now like somewhere in the archives of the internet, just like a 15 second video of me going, because <laughs> that's my face when I interact with technology. Um, that being said, let me actually bring up my script and give a formal start to the show. Yay, 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 hello and welcome to episode four of Laughing Into the Void. I'm your host, Tom, and as always co-hosting with me is the lovely Rosalind Paris. Hi. Uh, you Woo! Hi. Um, <laughs> you can watch our previous broadcasts on the District Comedy YouTube and Facebook channels or listen to them on Spotify. If you like us and want to support the stream, be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you want to watch District uh, if you want to watch on district-comedy.live, which should be appearing on my screen, uh, we have donations enabled right now for the 2020 end-of-year fundraising campaign for Synetic Theater until the end of the month. So if you want to see the little bar at the bottom of my screen fill up or just want to help support the arts, uh, consider making a donation of any size. But enough of that today. We are interviewing comedian Chris Alio. He is based in Philadelphia. He is a junior studying film and television at Drexel University. Additionally, he produces his own comedy sketches and writes for the satire and humor sections of both his university and for freelance publications. And he also has his own mic called Funny People Telling Jokes. You can catch him on these and on Instagram at Chris underscore Alio. Did I get all that right? That is perfect, Tom. You nailed it. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Good job, Tom. Cool. Awesome. And show. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, I'll start us off um, with this question that I like to ask. I guess I, I think I've asked everyone who's been on the show so far as like one of the first few questions, but um, how would you describe your sense of humor to someone who isn't familiar with your work. Hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for having me very much. This is awesome. And I very appreciate yeah. it. This is very cool. Um, I mean, I guess, generally speaking, just like day to day, what like the things I laugh at, just like I like stupid stuff that's like so dumb. Like, <laughs> I think I kind of have that like, I'm like, I'm Gen Z. So I kind of have that like broken Gen Z sense of humor where like somebody will show me like a photo, like a hot dog underwater and I'll like start cracking up for no reason. Um, <laughs> but I think like in terms of stand up, I like, uh, I mean, I don't know, it depends. Like for me, what I find funny and the stuff I like uh, to talk about, like I like storytelling and just like story stuff. Like I like uh, like crazy things that happen to people. Like anytime I just hear a funny story, I just get so like jazzed. Um, and I don't know. I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's definitely stories and just like crazy things. And I like people talking about things uh, that's happened to them that are like weird and insane. And that's kind of like what I try to do, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you say that because um, at least I've been noticing uh, a trend in stand up that isn't necessarily conducive to 
storytelling, at least in like traditional formats. And there's uh, there are storyteller comedians, but I've just been seeing so much stuff lately as far as like, and I think um, Desiree may have mentioned it previously, but there's an attitude of like, how many jokes can you fit in per second? Um, so it's nice to hear somebody who still appreciates <laughs> telling a good story. Yeah, um, I mean, like, I think, I mean, you know, there's a place for both of it, but I feel like a lot of stand-up comedians, or like in the open mics I see, it's a lot of just like punchline, punchline, like, you know, a knock-knock who's there kind of joke. Um, I don't know, like, I I think that, like, obviously, like, you need to have punchlines uh, for it to be funny, but but I like, like, long, anytime I see a comedian, like a real, like, professional comedian do, like, a five-minute story, I'm like, whoa, that's so cool that someone can talk about one thing for five minutes. Like, that's so cool to me. So. Would you say, I guess, not necessarily reflecting on your own comedic style, but maybe a little bit, but do you put like either watching or when you're writing storytelling first or jokes first? I think I take storytelling first. Like I, you, I, I mean, I'll have like thoughts throughout the day where I'm like, oh, that's like a funny take maybe. And then like, I'll write like a joke joke that's like an observation maybe but like when I sit down to write um I I try to like like I have a big list of like things that have happened to me that like I want to talk about or like stories um and and so I'll like pick one I'm like okay like this thing really jumps out at me I think this is like a funny story and I think it could be relatable and so then I'll like write the story and then I'll, I'll try to put the punchlines in or like I'll try to like think of like an observation like within the story but I think I generally start with the story first just because like I want, I'm like the kind of, when I think about like jokes, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I could say anything uh, that that's like a general take that would be like unique. Like, I feel like if I'm going to like be interesting, like it has to be about myself or else, like that's the only way I feel like I'll be able to be original is if it's just like only about me. So. Yeah. Like talking from your own experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it doesn't necessarily sound like, or maybe there is, and you can correct me, but like going into a set and like going into it with the attitude of like, I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to tell this comedic story to get people to listen to this like deliberate point that I'm trying to make or like this deliberate message. I think that's what I want. Like, that's what I want to do for sure. I don't know if I've ever done that or like I'm <laughs> capable of doing that yet. But like, I think, you know, cause like I want people to like, you know, care about what I'm like, obviously I can't just like talk about some story. Um, and I try to have the stories have some relatable or like universal element to it, to it. So that people aren't like, why is he telling, I don't care. Like, why is he talking about this? Um, like anytime a comedian, like Mike Birbiglia is like one of my favorite comedians and his stories like always have like some sort of like message to it or like something where you can like pull out of it. You're like, yeah, I get that. Like, I know what he's saying. Um, so I, I want to be able to do that. And I don't know if, if I've done that before, but that's definitely, you know, a direction I want to head in. Cool. <laughs> Sorry. I was, I started like cracking up a little bit only because I think that the stuff you're saying is like really cool and really serious. But then like, I had a memory pop into my brain of like when you were doing your like Kanye zest bit with the drawing <laughs> of the lemon and it's like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I want to make a point. I want to tell a story. Kanye's that. <laughs> Go back and forth. Sometimes I'm like, I want to like say things. 
I got I got things to say. I want to connect with people. And other times I'll draw like Kanye West as a lemon, and I'll be like, "This is Kanye's desk." So I don't know. Maybe it'll pull crap. <laughs> this comes and goes with the mood sometimes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I find like the story format helps me remember my jokes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm definitely not the type of person that can go up there and deliver one liner after one liner. I have to have a story stringing it together. So I remember, oh, it's time to make this joke. It's time to make this joke. Um, but for some people, like I, I dated a guy uh, who only did one-liners because he had ADD. And so he couldn't, <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't remember like a full story or focus on it if he was doing stand-up. So it was like, I know all my jokes. I can memorize all my jokes. And then I'll just deliver one-liner after one-liner. And it worked for him. I like the opposite. I feel like if I have a long story, then that's like the one joke. I'm like, okay, I only have to worry about this one. If I have like 15 one-liners, I'm like, there's no way I'm remembering like the fourth one. Yeah. Yeah. You save yourself having to remember segues though. Just one after the other. Yeah. (laughs) Which I feel like could like add a little bit of comedy to it. Like subverting expectations. You thought I was going to keep talking about that joke no nope, nope. <laughs> um on to the next one <laughs> on to the next one um okay so uh why don't you tell us um then a little bit about your background um tell us how long you've been com- doing comedy for um what got you into comedy we found out just before we started airing that apparently you're doing a comedy related internship yeah yes okay yeah so I'll brief, so like I'm, I guess I'll just like briefly touch on where I'm from. So, so I am from the suburbs of Philadelphia, like 35 minutes north in Bucks County. Um, and it's a nice, safe, comfy area, a great place to grow up. Uh, and I went to Catholic grade school, all boys Catholic high school. Um, and, and now I go to school in Philadelphia, I go to Drexel, which is uh, just west of downtown. Like it's a city school, it's in, it's in West Philly. Um, and it's kind of weird how I got into comedy. Like, it's weird to say I'm in comedy. Like I haven't been doing it long and I, but I kind of like stumbled my way into it. Like, I don't even kind of know how I got here. Like, you know, when I was applying to colleges, uh, I wasn't really allowed to apply like far. Like I really wanted to apply to USC. I wanted to go to California. And my parents were like, no, you're not going to California. You want to take a plane every time you want to go home. So I really largely only applied to Philly area schools and I applied to like three schools that were like within my academic range. And I applied to like a couple that were good schools and I didn't get into those. And so then I like, I got all my, like, I didn't even apply to that many schools. I wanted to apply to, or I didn't apply to MIU and I wish I did. I don't know why I didn't. And so I got like three acceptance letters and, uh, I hated the, like, I didn't even want to go to two of them. So like Drexel, like, it was this like process of elimination. <laughs> like, I guess I'm going to school here. All right. <laughs> um, and I started uh, my freshman year studying entrepreneurship. Uh, it was like a business program. Um, Cause I thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, this is neat. I'll, st- I'll do this. Um, and there are elements of it I liked, but it wasn't for me. And I wasn't happy in it. And um, a, a buddy of mine who was in that program too, we were both like, this sucks. So we both changed our major to film. My, that's when I, I'm a junior now. And my sophomore year, I started in film. 
still, um, well, hold on, I gotta go back. <laughs> the end of my freshman year, right when I, it was this, it was like the last semester of my freshman year. I was like, okay, I'm not happy in entrepreneurship. I don't know what I wanna do. I, I like, you know, being funny to my friends and I like, you know, writing sketches. And my university offers a stand-up class um, as like a fine arts elective. Like my school is like gen eds and you have to have like one or two like fine arts electives and the stand-up class would uh, satisfy that requirement. And uh, I was just like having to register for courses um, for the final semester of my freshman year. And I just like saw it. And before that point, like I had never, like I love stand-up, I watch it all the time, love late night stuff, but I never considered like doing stand-up, never crossed my mind, didn't really think it was something I would wanna do. Um, it just like was not something I thought about. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, and I looked up like what the course was and the way the class worked, it was just like every week you have to have five new minutes and that's literally it. Ooh. That's it. Uh, there's oh, no- that's it, okay. <laughs> yeah, there was no lecturing. Like we didn't learn how to do it. It was, just, it was really just more like you get to do stand-up and not like learning <laughs> how to do it. Um, and then the final, like, you know, the final exam was you put together your best five minutes and you do it in front of like a ton of people. Um, and I was like, I don't know why I was like, just do it. Just like sign up for the class. So I did knowing that like three months from now, I'm going to have to like do stand up in front of a lot of people. And so I, I took a class and I was like, the, the whole class was like upperclassmen. And it was like, I was like the only freshman. It was so scary. Um, and like the first week, like it was like fine. Like it went fine. I got a couple laughs. And I was like, okay, like maybe I, uh, you know, this could be fine. Next week sucked. Um, uh. Generally, like the class, I had one really good week where like I did really well and I was like riding an incredible high. And then, um, and, but when I was taking that class, like stand up was the only thing I was thinking about. Like I didn't care about any of my classes. I was like, this is so cool. I would spend all week writing my jokes for the next week. It was like really just like a good thing for me. I loved it. Um, and then when the final rolled around, I put together my best five minutes and we did it, it was in front of like 150 people um, and mostly students and, and I guess maybe some family, but I didn't invite my family. I don't think my family knew I was doing it. <laughs> um, they like barely know I, I do stand up. Um, well, and, now they'll know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're really a floor above me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But- no, that's, um, that's interesting though, but tell us about the one that didn't go so well. Tell us about when you bombed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't like. It was, it was weird. I just like I was sweat like sweaty like sweating. Um, I don't get like yeah. nervous as I, like I still get nervous and I still like sweat, but like I, uh, it was just like uncomfortable. Like I was like very like oh this sucks. Um, <laughs> it was in front of like nine students in a quiet classroom in like a basement. <laughs> um and like the the there's like <laughs> those <fluorescent>, basement shows <laughs> yeah you, it, like the it was like a fluorescent light and you could just hear like the hum of the light it was really painful um but like it was good because like you know i was like fine like it, it happened and then uh the students still talked to me after and like i was like okay that didn't that wasn't so bad um it was a safe environment too like it was very supportive like like everybody wanted everyone to do well. And it was a great mm -hmm. spot to like do stand up for the first time. Cause it wasn't like I was going into the city in a bar. Like really. Well, yeah. And it sounds like since it was part of a class then hopefully yeah. the audience had some kind of idea going into it. Okay. These are students. These aren't like professional comics or it's like, Oh yeah. I've seen him around the campus. Yeah. 
the thing, which helps take kind of the the pressure off a little bit. Um, but remind me, so how long ago was the stand-up class? So this was um, spring, June, 2019. Um, so recent. So yeah, like well, a little over a year now. Yeah. So since that class, that's like when you're saying like you started comedy though, right? Yeah, so it's kind of, okay. So like, I have trouble telling people when I started comedy um, <laughs> because well, that was June, 2019, but just to like wrap up, on the class so like I bombed that one time during class but the final performance was like it went like all the students did really well um yeah it was in front of like it was in like one of the school auditoriums and it was like like 150 people um and I did like six and a half minutes and like it was everybody like who went like wanted to laugh um and it was a good environment and like all my jokes landed and there was a lot of people there so it like was like loud and it like, I was so nervous before, like it was like the scariest thing I've ever done, but like all my jokes landed and I was like, oh, whoa, like I need to keep doing this. Um, and so like that, like next day, or like that next week, I was like, all right, I'm changing my major. I'm studying film now. Um, I'm a comedian, baby. Okay. I was about um, to say, cause I wasn't sure which one kind of came first in, in that, like if you had already decided to switch your majors because uh, like if you had been doing the film and production already, it seems like, you know, not that surprising of a twist since they're both kind of in entertainment to then yeah. be like, okay, stand up might be something I'm interested in. I can't remember what, I, I think, and this might be wrong, but I don't know who's to say, so I guess this is the truth now. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about it, switching my major, and then I did the stand up and I was, and like, obviously like they're not directly related, but I, w I did this the that final and it went really well and I was like okay I think I should you know film and TV is like related um, and that kind of like pushed me to make the change so that's what did it I think uh, cool all right awesome that was such a long story to say like three things <laughs> hey I said background and we got it we got background yeah, um, yeah so thorough thank you. thorough. <laughs> um no um here we go that's a literature joke inappropriate place but um no and it, it um it seems like also you're kind of like uh and correct me if i'm wrong but heavier on the writing side of it so i'm very interested about like the people in stand-up who are of that mindset because i'm the type of person who got into stand-up because it was something that like was basically from my background as a performer. And I find that there's a lot of people like that who are in standup either because, you know, they're writing and then standup is like a way for them to write their own material without having to collaborate with people on dumb sketches. <laughs> um, and then there's like people who are like from performance and it's like, well, I can't get cast. So I guess I'll perform in this <laughs> very independent medium. Yeah. Um, so it's, Seems like since you write for a couple of different publications, like I mentioned in your intro, the university, a couple of uh, freelance articles, it sounds like you may be of the writing mentality. So yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, for for like those processes, what would you say um, are maybe some differences between like your process when you're writing stand-up versus when you're writing one of those satirical articles? Yeah, so like definitely. Well, to your point about like you have a background in, in like theater and so the performance is like what you like. like. I never had done anything like I don't 
I don't, I've never done theater. I didn't do theater in high school. I never did like debate or forensics or anything like that. Um, so like, I'm not like a performer like by any means. So it was definitely like the writing element that I liked of it. But I guess to answer that question, like, I don't, I don't really know. Like, <laughs> I, I, like my school uh, newspaper I, I write for, um, and like the comic section, like uh, there's like four of us, <laughs> we just kind of do whatever. Um, and like, I'm friends with a person who runs it. So like, I kind of have free reign to kind of do whatever I want. I was um, looking at your website and I loved the Toyota-thon uh, <laughs> that you wrote. Yeah, yeah, those poems about <laughs> cardio. <laughs> yeah, like that's like the stupid, I think like when I'm writing for my school paper, my goal is like, what's the weirdest thing I can get printed and distributed around my campus? <laughs> um, and like for that, I just just like think of like a dumb idea. Cause like we get like a whole page like in the act, physical paper. Um, and I've made some just like weird, weird stuff. <laughs> and then like people and like some, maybe like 20 only people in like the West Philly community maybe read it. But like my goal is that like some guy on his way to work like opens up the Drexel Triangle and he's like, what the hell is this? Like, what am I looking at right now? Um, but I don't know, I, in terms of like the satire articles, like that's, I think that's something I want to do more. I've like written like a, a couple and like gotten them into some like freelance, like publications that sounds- Yeah, cool. I saw like your university paper and then a website, I think it was called like Robot Butt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, there's like a bunch of like websites like that with like varying degrees of like popularity. Um, so Onion, Hard Times style stuff kind yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Um, like the the Holy Grail, like New York, the New Yorker has like shouts and murmurs and that's like their satire section. Um, I don't know, I think that's like, it's fun to write that kind of stuff. I don't really know how I, I approach it. I guess it is similar maybe in standup where like, I guess like the point of a satire article is to like, you know, like take a stance or like say something in like a funny way. Um, so I don't know, I guess I try to think of like something that like I, I feel, I'm trying to think of something that I wrote. Oh, I wrote like a, an article that was like a university emailing um, their students. And this was like when school was coming back and it was like, the email was like, oh, you know, like there's a zombie apocalypse and like, there are some zombies on campus, but like, we're gonna let you come back. Like the whole point was like coronavirus and it's not safe to go back. Um, so I guess- it Okay, so it sounds like that was maybe like a better example of like, I guess your comedy writing where you're- <laughs> Way better than like, that like deliberate point that we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah. That satire is cool. And when it's like people who do it really well, like satire articles, like I read some I'm like, wow, that's like really impressive. Like they can say, they can say like really like meaningful stuff in like really silly ways. And it's cool. Like that's a skill I want to get better at. Um, and I would love to like submit something in the New Yorker and get it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in the New Yorker. Um, <laughs> Just once yeah. and then you can say it. Um, but then, <laughs> okay, I guess then, um, Maybe, um, is there anything that you find either as especially good opportunity or maybe as an additional challenge when you are going from writing for the printed word, um, <laughs> which is like 
a, still an audience, but not a live audience like stand-up is. Like, do you feel yeah. like you can get away with more? Or do you feel like you have to be extra careful because, you know, without the live audience being there, there's always that danger of like, I think it's clearly satirical and funny, but will they read my tone or will somebody think I'm being serious and that there are zombies on campus? I think you have to be more clear with like your words when you're writing an article or writing a script even for someone to read. Because like, like when I say things with my word, you can like make it clear like what you mean by like the way you say it and how you're standing and everything like that. So I think like you have to be very clear when you're writing an article but I think you have a little bit more like wiggle room in terms of like what's funny and what's not when, when you write like a funny article. Cause like, if I read a funny article, like I could like th read something, well, that was funny, but like, it didn't like make me laugh out loud. Like you don't need to like make someone like viscerally like laugh when you write an article. So you can still like write like amusing stuff. That's not like laugh out loud. Like there's stuff all right for stand up or like, yeah, that's funny. But like, it's not really a punchline. Like people aren't going to laugh. So I don't know, I feel like you have to be a little bit more like deliberate in that regard when you write stand-up or when I write stand-up, I guess. You also kind of like have more tools when you're doing stand-up because you can like play with like inflections and expressions and stuff. And when you're writing something just for somebody to sit there and read, you have to be very, very careful about how you craft it so the meaning of what you want is coming across. Because you can't just like change an inflection to get your point across. You have to make it very like, you have to basically hand feed the reader a little bit. I yeah, I, yeah, that's so true. Like, that's what I like about, like, I don't know, I'm just better at speaking, I feel like, than I am at uh, writing things. <laughs> um, and like, when I write, like, when I have to like write like a paper for like a class or like an academic paper, like I get like anxious having to figure out like how to make a sentence like, like literary, like uh, make sense English wise, like where do I put this comma? Like it like, I don't know. I think there's like a, a very like rigid limitation. Like when you're writing like an article, like it grammatically has to like make sense. Um, but like when you do stand up, you can kind of like cut out and go here and like, you know, kind of have it be silly. And it you can be less like it doesn't need to be gra grammatically correct when you do stand up. And that's like a lot more freeing, I feel like, than when you're writing yeah. something. Yeah. So. Although that is kind of. Um an element that's been taken out of stand-up recently is that's one of the main critiques we've been hearing about the Zoom mics is that it's not the same because you're not in front of a live audience. You don't have like the physical comedy, yada, yada, yada. But it sounds like that's maybe an advantage that you have since you have the writing background. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's true. Like you can't do a lot of physical comedy when you're on Zoom stand-up, but... I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's not like I'd be like jumping around and like doing uh, like high kicks anyways. <laughs> like when I do stand- We have two different kinds of comedy then, <laughs> my good sir. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what kind of comedy everyone else is doing. Um, like, you know, I'm, I'm mostly stationary when I do stand up. Um, so, you know, as long as, like I like to stand when I do Zoom stand up or I started doing that and, you know, I make sure they can see my face and, and I have like waist up so I want to do body stuff. Mm -hmm. I can do it and you know I think people pay attention less on zoom stand-up so I think it's harder in general yeah. to get your point across um but I haven't done live stand-up really a lot in general but I haven't done live stand-up since zoom stand-up so I don't know how it translates but I feel like it will people have told me it, it does so <laughs> <laughs> the last time I saw live stand-up before the pandemic 
a crazy man came off the street and had several beers and his entire set was him just humping a stool <laughs> for like his entire five minutes. Damn this pandemic, we can't have stool humpers anymore. <laughs> I mean, first time on Zoom mics these days, but you know, maybe OnlyFans is, uh, is paid off for him. That's so funny. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like it probably didn't feel funny in the moment. <laughs> I don't no, know. Maybe it was, it did it kill? Funny. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Like so that might make funny. a lot of people uncomfortable though. <laughs> uh, There's well, something Zoom like lets you do that you that you couldn't do otherwise though too. Like I I was playing, I don't know if I want to keep doing it. You know, we talked about it before. Like I like doing some drawings, like jokes with drawings or like little charts or visual aids. Like that's something that's harder to do in person that I can do over Zoom. So, you know, I mean, like, you know, each version gives and takes and like, you just kind of have to like do what you can. I don't know, you just got to adapt. It sucks, but like, you just do what you can, you know? Yeah, and like, um, you know, there's uh, a lot of stuff you lose because it's not a live performance. Like, I guess, uh, physical comedy, if that's a thing, or just like generally being able to connect with people in that way. But for the other side of it, you know, I've had a lot of people come to the mic who are doing like, uh, this last week we had somebody who like, screen shared their vision board so <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily see that at like cool. a That's live cool. stand-up um it's kind of like prop comedy but easier because it's digital <laughs> yeah i don't know there's a lot of like I know, some people are like oh that's not really stand-up you know it's like all comedy like performance already like cool stuff like there's a, a comedy venue in philly that um you know, has like a screen up and like just people would do like funny PowerPoint presentations. Like, you know, it's borderline like not really stand up, but it's still like a funny live performance. It's like cool, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've wanted to do like, actually for district comedy at one point, I'd love to do like a PowerPoint party. That's so, oh, yeah. that was a thing fun. that got really popular um, when the lockdowns happened. Like, oh, <laughs> silver lining though. Let's do a PowerPoint party where we talk about- That's really cool. That's a great idea. Um, ranking my exes. <laughs> um, <laughs> order. Um, but then I'll, um, I'll ask you this question and then I'll throw it to Roz. Although I'm gonna go on a tangent in a second, but- um, Oh, should so I bring the questions up then? Yeah, you should probably uh, bring the questions up. I'm a bad uh, co-host. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, but actually, since we kind of diverted attention to you anyway, Roz, <laughs> when we were talking, it did kind of make me wonder because we've been doing comedy together for so long. I think I just don't remember if you are one of the people who is of a more performer-based background or of a more writer-based background. So let me get that from you while you're also trying to coordinate bringing up the questions to make things as easy as possible. <laughs> uh, oh, this question's for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you see. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I got involved in comedy um, through improv. Like I was a huge fan of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah. And my friends had started doing improv at my high school. And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> so um, I took over and eventually became like the, the person who ran the meetings um, because I was the only person who even close to had my shit together. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for me, like it's always come from a performing place because 
One thing I've learned about myself over the years is I can't plan anything in advance unless I'm like in some way contractually obligated to. <laughs> so, which is why Tom does all the work for this. <laughs> That's how I got her. She's like, just, you've got me booked if you schedule it. I just, I just ride, I just ride his coattails and turn my computer on at 8.20 p.m. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so like, I mean, I don't think I've ever completely written a script all the way through unless you count like a stand-up story because I just even my stand-up is partly improvised because that's just kind of the way my brain works like I can't force myself to focus on anything so winging it has been a very big part of my entire life well like and that's not even um like I feel like you're saying it a little bit with a self, uh, not a self-deprecating tone, but like also give yourself credit. I mean, like that's, um, I mean, improv is like, that's basically the way that Second City teaches it is like as a process to the writing. So it's legit, it's legit. <laughs> Improv's cool, despite what pop culture says. Ugh, I mean, improv is inherently not cool, but it's like <laughs> not. <laughs> Anybody who does improv is very impressed by, I don't, I've, I've never really had the, I did it once auditioning for my school's improv team. Um, that was the only time I've ever done it. At, uh, and um, it, it was like, it like went fine. Uh, I did not, <laughs> did not make the improv team. Um, yeah, well, here's my problem with improv auditions. It's like, hey, we're looking for someone who is like really funny, chill, like have a good time with them, but we want you to be the most fun and the most chill out of everybody else you're in the room with. Like putting it in that yeah. weird competitive environment is like- It was a weird vibe in the room. A contradiction, <laughs> um, Yeah, I, I think. But um, I'm going to uh, switch gears just a little bit, uh, although we'll, be switching back to writing process stuff, I'm sure. Um, but in investigating you and coming upon your website, um, can you go a little bit into the screenplay that you wrote, Normal Underwhelming Love? Because I wanted to know what that project was about and I tried like clicking the download link to find oh, it. Oh, work? It was like, no. Oh, no, damn it. It's like, yeah. Dropbox files dead. Get out of here. Oh, um, man. I have it. I have this script linked to like a Dropbox, and I think I ran out of room in my Dropbox because I had the free version. Um, but well, yeah, it's, it looks like it had gotten like a. It was a finalist for some sort of award. Yeah, so that sounds cooler than it is. Um, I oh. <laughs> I went. So one of the classes I had to take for school in the spring was writing the short film, uh, which is very self-explanatory. Um, it's a class where you write a short film. Um, and you learn how to do it. And my final final project was just like a five, or maybe it was like at least a, a three to like 10 page script um, in the hopes that you would shoot it for um, a class called narrative film, which is where you'd shoot the film you wrote in writing the short film. That's like how the curriculum works. Um, so I wrote that and it's, it was this um, a mockumentary about this guy who like, is like really lonely like he's making a mockumentary of himself um because he's like convinced he's going to be like a famous romance novelist except he's like thing is that like his romance novels uh are like realistic like he doesn't buy into love at first sight 
so stories all like about like really like underwhelming relationships or like old people who aren't having sex anymore um <laughs> and i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> and then like it has this ending i'll yeah i'll say the ending nobody's gonna read it um <laughs> they can't but, like, the whole point is like he's really stubborn like it's clear that like he's wasting his time he's like in his 30s like you, you just like he's very he's rude to other people and then like uh he bumps into a girl in his hallway in his apartment and she's like dressed just like him looks just like him um and like you know you think like oh he's gonna finally you know and it like contradicts his whole theory like he meets the girl of his dreams love at first sight um and then he like is totally like rude to her and then like just like leaves and the documentary ends where he's like i'm gonna make it big baby um and so i uh i explained it so poorly uh, i gotta put it <laughs> on my website but um yeah so i was just like why don't i like put in a couple like short script festivals because like why not like save up like 50 bucks for like some entry fees um and like i rewrote like i didn't look at it for a while and then i rewrote it um, I sent it to some friends, I got some feedback, and I put it in some festival, uh, the name of which I don't remember. <laughs> um, and I saw the website. Yeah, I saw I'm like, let me bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, something just for shorts, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, some festival, yeah. <laughs> they accepted it, and like, I think, like, there's like a couple like you can get accepted and then like if you make it to the next one you're a finalist and that's what that was and then if you make it to the next round then it's like really good so like mine was like okay i guess um <laughs> you know i like i like writing like i like writing sketches more than anything else in terms of like stuff like screenplay stuff I like writing sketches um but i don't know like i think films are cool and tv's cool and i really want to write a pilot and that's a goal for the next six months like, i really want to write a script just to, like have it um so yeah I, I don't know it's like it's so hard there's so many things i could be oh do i do i do stand up do i write some sketches do i write i don't know i'm just kind of like doing a bunch of stuff and seeing what sticks but yeah that's that's what that script was all about <laughs> cool all right well uh i'm gonna i am actually gonna throw it to Roz for the next question now because I seem to be getting thrown off on a whole bunch of tangents and <laughs> we still have more than half the questions to go so <laughs> so, so wait we're on question number five Tom. yeah okay. we're on number five it's hard to keep track because I've like inserted like questions to a b and see like on the fly as we've been talking, but yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what page are we on? <laughs> In other fields, specifically art, fashion, and entertainment, young voices tend to be valued and their perspective appreciated. Uh, we view you as young and want to kill you and absorb your power. Yes. Um, <laughs> but as a junior in college, um, do you think that the comedy scene's been kind of more welcoming to younger voices, or what has your experience been with that? No, I don't know. I think so. I did stand. Uh, I'm trying to think of the live stand up I did. So after that class, I it was the summer right after that, and I went back home and I didn't just stand up that whole summer. And then when I went back in the fall, I think. 
in between that fall when the pandemic hit, I did maybe like 10 open mics, not even. Um, and in, in my experience at those live mics, um, I think that people were like in Philly, like I was super intimidated because I was 19. Um, you know, I'm like, I'm only a year older, but like, I don't know, teenager, like I was a teenager. And so I was very intimidated because everyone there was older than me. And I used like a fake ID just to do stand up. <laughs> that was the nerdiest reason to use a fake ID other than maybe voting. It was, you have to be 21 years old to laugh. I wanted, I went to this bar, like I rode my dinky little bike, like, <laughs> through, <laughs> like from my campus to downtown and the cold and the bouncer was like giving me a hard time. And he was like, you're not from Illinois. And I was like, just fucking come on. <laughs> I don't want to drink. I just want to tell some jokes, please. Um, but I think that... Uh... <laughs> Sorry. It's just hitting my funny bone. <laughs> the people were really nice. Like, really... I remember I'm trying to think of instances that jutted out to me. I remember I did this open mic at a bar in like, downtown Philly. And it was the night of an Eagles game and the Eagles lost that game. And um, it was a rare instance where like, there was a crowd at the open mic. Like, I think people were in the bottom half of the bar watching the Eagles game. The top half was like where the stage was and the game ended and some Eagles fans came up to watch. And I remember my set going like fine. Like I didn't do great, but like I had like one or two jokes that landed. But I remember there's this guy in the audience who was like decked out in Eagles gear. And like, he really intimidated me for some reason. Like he was like grizzled like drunk and I was like oh god like this guy's gonna be mean to me and then like when I was done my set he like looked at me and like kind of winked he was like nice job kid and I was like oh cool <laughs> but that's not other comedians like the other comedians I've met in Philly have been really kind to me like there's this one club <laughs> it run out of like a basement in an apartment uh in North Philly uh off Temple University's campus called the cave and it's like a scary place to stand up uh like I said, in a weird basement in a not good neighborhood. Um, but I remember, you know, I did, you know, the open mic and I didn't do that well, but uh, the guy who like helped run it was like, Hey, you know, nice to meet you. You know, if you want to, you know, like, I know you got up really late, but if you want to get up early on the mic, just, you know, keep coming and we'll get you on earlier. And I was like, oh, okay, people aren't mean. Um, so that was really nice. And I never, I still don't like know anyone in the Philly scene with the exception of, um, someone who runs a zoom mic uh, stephanie parker she has an open mic monday nights ill at ease it's a very fun room she's super nice um but she's philly based but i don't know anyone else in the philly area um because then the pandemic hit but the short time i was there people were nice and i'm really excited for things to open back up because i feel like i'll be able to like make friends in that community and i do feel welcome like it's i'm encouraged to like go back and meet those people so <laughs> like kind of as a follow-up to that like I think one of the, the cooler things about younger people getting involved in the comedy scene is that it kind of forces like evolution so like I mean I know like for example one thing with Gen Z I noticed a lot is like short format like indie low to no budget skits you film by yourself at home <laughs> like yeah. seem to take off yeah they made so, TikTok like, yeah like TikTok um so i was just wondering like where do you see like the scene evolving to next hmm that's a good question well i think like live like you know just like straight up like stand-up comedy you know guy girl whoever on stage telling jokes like i think that's always going to be around um because like there's no beating that but 
I don't know. Like, I think there's definitely more of an appetite by younger people for like variety, kind of like sketchy, like weird stuff. Um, like my generation has like a very bizarre sense of humor. You know, like my grandfather's generation, like, you know, they thought like Rodney Dangerfield was hilarious and he still is, but like, you know, like he's like, his jokes like make sense. Um, they're, they're like basic reality. You say that like a bad thing. <laughs> All my jokes to make sense? Fuck that. He's always like, yeah, hey, my wife, you know? Uh, but, yeah. but I think, um, I think my, you know, like a surreal, like weird stuff that's not necessarily based in reality. I'm trying to think of a comedian that I like who does that kind of stuff. James A. Casters is like British comedian and he has this like four part special on Netflix. That's super funny. And his jokes, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but he just like tells stories that like very clearly did not happen. Um, and they don't make any sense at all. But I see like that's something I think my generation likes. And, and more than anything, I'm going to go on another tangent here. I'm sorry. No, that's <laughs> like, fine. Like, I think the hour special, I think, is is going away a little bit. Like, I think, yeah. like, social media has, like, engineered our brains to, like, have low, really short attention spans. Um, like, it's tough to watch something for an hour straight. Um, and I think, like, shorter, like, 15-minute specials, like, half-hour specials, like, Andrew Schultz is, like, a New York comedian who has, like, a pretty big YouTube channel um, where he posts his stuff. And he he put out, like, you know, a 15-minute special that was, like, super tight and well-produced and was very, like, digestible. Or he'll put out, like, like a five-minute set of, like, clips together. Like, I think it's going to be, like, really clippy and, like, shorter, more, like, digestible stuff. Um, and I don't think that our special will go away, but, like, I just don't think people my age, like, have the patience for that kind of thing anymore. So, yeah. We don't have time for that. We're all dying. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Cool. Well, uh, so, Tom, did you highlight this for me? Because <laughs> Oh, no. I was highlighting that because we kind of answered it already earlier. So that was highlighted because I commented. I think we already answered this question earlier. The question, <laughs> if you were curious, Chris, was... Um, uh, how your education in film and television influenced your comedy style. It sounds like it was a little bit the other way around where you did stand up and then were like, this is cool. And then pursued film and television, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think it kind of worked in that direction more than anything. Okay, but kind of talking about the film and television stuff anyway, um, what was your experience with producing your own videos because again referring back to a previous episode we had um we talked to winston and kind of a little bit about the process of what he had to do to make his own comedy special and since yeah. that's your major and you have some sketches on your youtube channel right yes. so uh what was what was the production experience right what was the experience there and what you find particularly challenging yeah so i like production is like so hard and so scary like a lot of my classmates like want to be like grips or or you know acs or like camera people or boom ops and like that stuff is so hard um you know like i went went in the film late and i only had two in-person semesters of film before the pandemic hit so i haven't had like a lot of hands-on experience like any sketch i made it's just like quick grab a phone 
Um, I'm gonna try to make something. Uh, one time, my friend and I like wrote this sketch that we really liked. Um, and like, we really were like, okay, we're gonna write a really good sketch. We're gonna run out a camera from the school's equipment room. We're gonna like make a really solid sketch, put it on our portfolio. Um, and then I loved it. I still like the sketch we wrote. I think it was really funny. Um, and like when we tried to shoot it like really well, like lights, and, like it was a disaster. <laughs> um, like, I mean, it, it got made, but like, it just like wasn't very good. Um, At what cost? <laughs> I know, and like we spent like a whole day and it was like a prop heavy, uh, like, like the gag was like, just lar really large objects were involved. Uh, <laughs> and, and like, we had to like lug <laughs> like big things like throughout like campus. And, you know, we realized like we needed an extra hand for the boom mic. And like, it was just like a lot of, like production is like all like problem solving. Um, and it's something I want to get better at. Cause like, I want to be able to make my own stuff, but like, I like writing and I like editing and I like performing because you don't have to, you know, like do anything but stand there. Um, but like production, like really scares me. Like I've been trying to like get experience like on like a set for like film or television for like my resume and whatever. Um, oh yeah, the internship. Oh yeah, yeah. I can talk about that if you like. Um, so well, that's related, right? It's a production type internship. Correct? Kind of, kind of. I'll get into it. I'll explain. I'll explain. Okay, okay. Go on. So yeah, it's a, it's a remote internship. It was, I was supposed to do this like, my, my program has like a, an LA program where you get to like go to LA for like three months and work. I, like you have a job and then you, and then you also take classes there. But that guy, my school did that too. Emerson did that. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And, and I was all geared up to go. And then that was this past summer and then it got canceled, of course, uh, which is a bummer. And the yeah. job I got hired for, for that was supposed to be in person in Los Angeles, but I've been doing it remotely for like six or seven months. And it is, uh, the Barry Katz Entertainment, which is like, just like a small like production company kind of by Barry Katz. And he's a, uh, he's like a really like, so I didn't know this applying. Like I didn't really know who he was. Um, it, all I saw was like internship, somewhat kind of related to comedy. I was like, I guess I'll apply. <laughs> and I applied to like 30 internships and like this was the only one that got back to me. So I just said yes. <laughs> um, and it turned out to be like the coolest opportunity. Like I'm so, it's so great. Like he, um, so it, I don't wanna like name drop and like be like annoying, uh, but my, so my boss, he, he owned, he started and ran the Boston Comedy Club in New York which was kind of like, there was like the cellar and then there was like Boston Comedy Club. And like Boston Comedy Club was where like, so he, he managed like Dave Chappelle when he was really young and like Bill Burr when he was really young and like Louis CK and like he ran the club where like all those guys that like came up. Um, and, and he like managed Tracy Morgan, and like all these really cool people. And like, I didn't know that until I applied. He was like, by the way, like I am friends with all of your heroes. And I was like, what? Like, who are you? <laughs> Did you know that I was the shit? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a really nice guy and um, he does like some producing stuff and he like manages some community. He manages like Brad Williams. Um, I don't know. And I think he managed Melissa Villasenor for some time who's on SNL. Um, but I do like, I have to, I edit some stuff for him. Um, sometimes he has me read scripts, do like script coverage and like, you know, I. 
send him like my feedback on like someone will send him a script and then I read it and then I give him the notes on it. Um, and sometimes I do, you know, like busy work and, you know, stuff that's not so fun, but he does give me the opportunity to like, you know, really like learn and get my hands dirty and, and do cool stuff. And, and he's like, been willing to like, you know, I'll send him some, my stand up and he'll give me feedback. Um, and he's like, likes to talk to me. <laughs> like, he's always like, Hey, you want to like ask me questions? Um, because I don't know, he's not like a known person, but like, he's, I guess in the, he's like, I guess known in like the business side of the comedy industry. And it's been very nice. Just like putting me in touch with people and like being really kind. And that's, that's been a really good, just like learning about comedy internship than necessarily like production or like the technical stuff, I guess. So yeah, Barry Katz. <laughs> that sounds awesome. That sounds like a really cool opportunity. And it's you'll cool. probably learn a lot of unsaid stuff from him that you wouldn't learn from like other comics. Yeah, he's, I don't know, he he talks like, he doesn't give me like specific like, you need to tell jokes about this, but he's just like, you know, just general like. Do more Kanye zest. <laughs> <laughs> more <stopped>. lemons. <laughs> He actually saw that and he was like, maybe don't do that. <laughs> oh, well, like, that stays hard into the citrus. Yeah. You don't understand. The kids love lemons, all right? You don't get it. Um, <laughs> no, he's definitely like been really cool. He's been encouraging. Like I'm very um, anxious, like always. And I'm also <laughs> a really bad like imposter complex um, and I'm very hard on myself. So it's nice to have like, you know, like a, an adult figure be encouraging. It's very nice to have that, so. Cool. We got like six minutes left and three <laughs> questions. So we're going to try and get through all. I talk so much. I'm sorry. You're no, good. You still See, have like a good two minutes per question. Huh? Um, I don't think we've successfully finished our question list before. So we'll see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this next one um, I really connected with on a spiritual level. Um, I recently, uh, I was looking at your Twitter and I saw uh -huh. you recently posted that you did your civic duty and you reported some voter fraud, oh. <laughs> voter fraud hotline. Yeah. And I just, I'd love to know what happened. <laughs> yeah. What did I do? So I saw a couple, like this wasn't in a, I saw a video of this guy calling the voter fraud hotline and it's like being a jackass to people, um, in a good reason, you know, cause those people suck. Um, but yeah. So I was like, you know, I'm, like, I'm just going to call them. And uh, I called and they were like, hi, this is the Trump voter fraud hotline. And I was like, oh, I stink. Like, I'm stinky. Like, I just started screaming, like, so, <laughs> so bizarre. Um, but I like, started and I was like, hi, I'd like to report voter fraud. Like, I saw this guy walking out of the whatever. And then I, like, flipped it on a dime. And then the lady was like, thank you very much. Have a good day. And then she hung up on me. Um, like, you can call them. I don't know if the number's still up. You can just like call that number and someone will answer. It's incredible. Oh yeah, it uh, brought back um, my days as a congressional intern, where phones <laughs> during during the Affordable Care Act debate, and someone called me once. And they were like, "Yeah, uh, I think everything about the Affordable Care Act is a really good idea, and we should give everyone free healthcare. The government should pay for it." And then just like this really long pause, and he goes. Not and then he <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, okay. And you have to log all the calls. So I had to enter it into their database and like 
I had to like summarize it and give it a label and put it in a poll. That's like, so funny. Oh, no. I think everybody should be happy, healthy, and safe. Not yeah. <laughs> And then just like having to type in, waited a full beat, and then as if in a 90s <laughs> sitcom. <laughs> had impeccable comedic timing. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so I was wondering, okay, so you're in college in the middle of a pandemic. Um, has that really affected your creative process at all? Um, I think it's been really fucking with everybody's process, I think. I, um, it's been weird. So like online classes suck and I took them in the spring and I took classes over the summer because my Drexel is like on a weird quarter system. So sometimes you're in class over the summer. Um, so I was supposed to be in class this fall actually, but I took a leave of absence. So I was like, I'm not taking the classes this quarter. I'm gonna graduate like a little bit, like a few months later. But I was just like, I don't want another online quarter. So like, it's given me like the time actually, like write a lot and do stand up, because um, like the, I did not do Zoom comedy like from, I think I didn't. I my last one I did it was like December 10th, 2020, and then I didn't do it at all until like, like September 19th, 20th. Um, and I mean, if it wasn't for like not being in class, I don't think I would have the time to like write as much as I have. So it's been good for that reason. Like, it's just been like, I've been capable of like actually doing it, which is good. Yeah. Uh, but online school is the worst thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm online working right now. So I sympathize. Yes. Um, yeah. It's like you get nothing done all day and take <laughs> off naps. Yeah, it's like another Zoom. Can we just like stop doing work? I don't know. It's the worst. Yeah, it is great because you can text your like you can text shit about your professor or your boss to your friends while oh, they're yeah. talking. So like my coworker and I have this like really long thread. But <laughs> I digress. <laughs> um, okay, so our final question, which we have time for tonight. Yes, um, we do. Are you working on right now that you're very excited for like what should we be expecting in the coming months years <laughs> you're young and have your whole life ahead of you so I know. what's coming up i'm trying to think if i have anything in particular i want to share you um, at least have the open mic right yes yeah so i run an open mic um 11 30 p.m eastern <laughs> i might change the time because that's the latest <laughs> um on Sundays, so you should come to that. I mean, I don't know. I, I you know, I want to keep making like videos. I really, I have to make. I'm taking a class where I have to make a short film this next semester. So like that'll be somewhere eventually. I, I should. I'm, you know, to get a good grade, I will have a short film made in three months. So that'll be out. <laughs> I mean, I tweet a lot on Twitter at Chris Alio. I, you know, and. I'm just going to keep doing stand up and I'm going to try to get better at it. And, you know, if I'm on a, if I get booked on a show and the tickets are like three bucks, uh, maybe come watch because it might be funny. So, yeah. So, Who saw your first, folks? Yes. Awesome. Elio does things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> also, speaking of which, that Twitter, is that the same as your Instagram where it has the underscore? Is it all one word? It's Twitter's all one word and Instagram has the underscore. Uh, I have an Instagram account that's at Chris Alio and I so I'm got logged out of it when I was in like the seventh grade and I can't, <laughs> can't get rid of it. And there are weird pictures on there. Um, <laughs> it makes me really upset that people might be able to see that. Our friend just had something similar happen with her Facebook account. Now there's just two of them. 
because <laughs> um, that's i guess simpler <laughs> which one do you tag you don't know yeah so. I don't know. uh both both of them um all right well that being said that transitions greatly into our outro so Thank you, everybody, for watching episode four of Laughing Into the Void. And, of course, thank you to Ross for co-hosting with me. And thanks again Anytime. to Chris. Thank you. Thank uh, thanks you again much. to Chris for being a great guest. And, again, you can follow him at Chris underscore Alio on Instagram. Chris Alio, all one word, on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, you can watch our previous broadcasts on the District Comedy YouTube and Facebook channels or listen to them on Spotify. Don't forget to donate if you enjoyed the stream. Uh, yeah, drop a little donation. Again, we're uh, doing the 2020 end of year campaign for Synetic Theater. So yeah, do that um, if you like art. Um, yeah. And on that note, uh, we do, I mentioned this in the post right before uh, this show, um, but sorry, cats. Um, there's a cat <laughs> on screen for those listening to the podcast. Um, but yes, we have a special announcement. Very excited to tell you all that we are doing an exciting special bonus episode of laughing into the void um which will be taking place on monday at 8 30 so keep your eyes peeled for that and remember to tune in um we'll be interviewing synetic theater's uh company director Catherine dubois and i'm really excited about this one because i actually have met them in real life which is the first thing i can say about our interview guests um except brooks i guess um but um yeah, and they're also the first non-comedian that we've had on the show. Ooh. So kind of getting oh, a boy. production and clowning and performer side to it too. Um, cool. So yeah, definitely watch on Monday at 8.30. And again, it's a bonus episode. So please also tune in because we're still going to do our episode on Wednesday. Uh, and that will also be great because we're going to have Ralph Anthony. And he's a buddy guy. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Transition out. Good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you.